Welcome everybody to the X Factor podcast. This is episode number. I have no freaking idea. That's Parker's job. Tell us the episode number. Thank you, Parker. Uh, today on the pod, which I might add is brought to you by bottomguncoffee.com. Yes. Uh, today on the pod, we are talking about X Factor movies. Yes. Yes. I love movies. I'm a movie buff. That's exciting. Now these, uh, we're old. Yes. So these might be X Factor movies that were on Betamax or VHS. Real to real, maybe. Gone with Real the to real in JR's case, perhaps. Wizard of Oz. Just saying. <laughs> but X Factor movies, I love the movies. Uh, I'm kind of sad. You know, the past year, I haven't gone to the movie because of uh, COVID and all the other crap going on in our country. But I like to sit in a big movie theater and have a giant, you know, tub of popcorn and a keg oh, yeah. of Coke. There's nothing nope. better than that. Wait, nope. whoa, what? No. What? No. You don't like popcorn? Uh, you don't I like, like popcorn. I, yeah. I, uh, I like Pepsi. Yeah. yeah well, you don't uh, like to go to the movies? No, because here's what happens. Oh, the movie theater wow. by me yeah. is um, assigned seating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like the whole point of going to the movies, besides like the experience and big screen, is like being able to sit where you want. Yeah. So like if you go out as a family... Your kids aren't forced to be seated behind some six foot seven dudes so they can't see the screen. Yeah. Or you don't end up with your kids sitting next to some freaking pedo creeper who's in his assigned seat over there. Or, you know, some morbidly obese person who's oozing out of the seat onto your armrest, crushing your styrofoam cup in the cup holder between the two of you and having it leak all over your feet. Wait, 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 wait. So do you not have stadium seating in these big leather chairs where you... Where no, it's assigned seating. They're big seats, but it's assigned seating. And you still end up, like, if you're on either end of your group seating, yeah, end up next to some rando... Some pedophile, yeah. Who knows what, you know? So you don't like, have... No, like, I want to sit wherever the hell I a, want. If I'm paying problem in Maine? for a ticket, yeah. I want to sit where I damn well please. So you don't pay for the seat because I know, like I know here you you pay like when you buy you pay a for ticket, the seat, but they tell you where your seat is. You don't get to say I want. I'm going to sit here. But it's oh, the yeah. same thing with a concert, Coach Brew. You go to a concert, you pay for the seat. You know, you don't. I don't sit at concerts. I stand. I <laughs> dance. I celebrate. You know, I'm right next to the speaker banging my head. You know? <laughs> Come on, John. I'm in the mosh pit. You know me. That's it. That's you. That's Coach Brew. So, yeah, we're talking X-Factor movies. Yes. So, uh, fasten your seatbelt. Yes. Grab your cup of bottom gun coffee. Yes. Take a sip and uh, buckle up, kids. Um, I, I want to go first today, John. I um, want you to go first. I'm excited okay. to hear. I have uh, no idea what you're going to talk about. I literally have no I Literally have no idea. So... There are some things that are, you know, like movies, books, entertainment, documentaries, songs. Yes. There's some that are uh, wonderful stories. Sure. And stories resonate with us. We've been, uh, our brains have been trained to enjoy and consume and remember stories since the beginning of time. Yes. When cavemen 
would draw murals that tell a story on the wall. Like here's how to avoid getting eaten by saber tooth tiger, you know? Yep. Um, <laughs> it's as old as the beginning of time storytelling. Yeah. So my favorite thing isn't the story that the song tells the story that the movie tells it's the story behind the song. It's the story behind the film. Mm. It's the backstory to the book and how and why it was written. So what I'm going to talk about today is uh, something that is basically not just a movie, but a movie franchise. Ah, It has earned billions with a B. Billions. Billions and billions of dollars. Uh, with a B at the box office. It's easily one of the most successful movie franchises of all time. Uh, virtually everyone worldwide has heard of this particular character. It's absolutely motivational and inspirational, a wonderful underdog tale. However, most people don't know the story behind the movie, really the story behind the screenplay. Mm. And what I am talking about is a, at the time, young man. He's actually still young looking because I think he injects all sorts of crap into his body now. But uh, back in the early 70s, this person was an unknown actor trying to make it in New York City. Oh. Not Hollywood, New York. And uh, if you know, you, some of you might know. Uh, he had a little bit of success in a movie called The Lords of Flatbush. However, the guy was still broke. And after that movie, he decided, if I want to make a name for myself, I got to move out to California. Like, so he goes out there and is so dead broke that he needed to either, he was either going to starve to death or he would have to sell his dog. That's the story I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, um, I, that's what I was thinking of. He could only afford to either feed himself yep. or feed his dog. Yep. So he sold his dog to someone who could afford to feed it. And um, that's how bad it was going for Sylvester Stallone before he had any success. One night uh, while he was out there in LA, he went to see Muhammad Ali fight a guy named Chuck Wepner. And what he saw, uh, Chuck Wepner's from New Jersey, and his nickname was the Bayonne Bleeder. Uh, and, and Chuck Wepner was fighting at the time, and he maybe still is the greatest fighter ever in Muhammad Ali. And mm -hmm. this guy just happened to bring his A game, and um, he even knocked down Muhammad Ali at one point in the fight. He went the distance. Didn't win, but he went the distance. And so Sylvester Stallone's sitting there not thinking about the fight, but thinking about the fact that, man, if this ain't a metaphor for life, I don't know what is. And that was the catalyst for his idea to write the screenplay that is Rocky. Mm. The guy who's going to overcome adversity, stand up to life, take a shot, go the distance. He wrote that script in three days. It was mm. only 90 pages of it. It only took third of that to create the original Rocky movie. 30 page script. That was it. So he was on a casting call for some random role. Wasn't right for the part. But on the way out he told the producers about his screenplay that he had written. They told him to bring a buy later. 
they read it and they loved it. However, the one stipulation he had in it was that he was going to play the main character, Rocky Balboa. Yeah. And you know, like if you're a, a production company of any type, you can't blame them for saying, nah, we don't want you, you know, we want like a leading man type look. So they were thinking about like Burt Reynolds, Ryan O'Neill, somebody like that to play the part of Rocky Balboa. Uh, they offered him $360,000 for the script, which is probably about $361,000 more <laughs> than he had at the time. Yes. Uh, under the condition that he would not play Rocky in his own movie. He had no car. He actually had $106 in the bank. Um, no car, $106 to his name, and sold his dog to be able to afford food that week. He turned it down. Over a quarter of a million dollars. He turned it down. He's thinking, like, I'm already poor and how to live in poverty. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I am going to stay the course and I am going to find someone who is willing to accept what I want for this. And what he wanted after pitching this to a number of places was a million dollars and I star in the movie. Mm. So think about the courage and your convictions. Yeah. And your willingness, someone's willingness to push all your chips to the middle of the table yep. and say, you know what? It's, this is it. This is the deal or nothing. Because I was, currently have nothing and I have nothing to lose. He's betting on himself. He's betting yeah. on himself. He's saying, look, I, I appreciate the, you know, 250000 $360,000, yep. but I'm, I'd rather bet on myself. I want to be in this movie. I want to be the lead actor. You know, I, I, I believe, I believe in the script. I believe in myself. I'm willing to say no, even though I'm broke. Yep. And uh, I'm going to bet on myself. I think that's the power of broke really is, you know, like he had nothing, but he had intellectual resources. They gave him a million dollars to produce the movie. He came in under budget. Fun fact. He actually used a bunch of family and friends in the cast, little handheld cameras. And most of that movie, the original Rocky is filmed in one take. Hmm. It's pretty phenomenal. You know, it started to get a positive reaction. Um, and like nine Oscars later, uh, nine Oscar nominations and three wins, including Best Picture, uh, it had grossed um, over 200 million bucks. And when did it come? When did it come out, Coach Brew? Uh, the original Rocky. I was, I just didn't, I couldn't remember. It was in, a, uh, I believe, late 70s. Yeah. Cause that was a time with a lot of really great movies. So for oh, a movie was, to yeah, stand it was a heyday. Out, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard for a movie to stand out back then too. And, um, and even back then a million bucks was low budget. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the original Rocky 1976. Yep. So 76 was, um, yeah, this is the time what Jaws was out. When did Jaws come out? That was like a big, uh, big film, but yeah. Uh, Jaws was 75. Yep. Jaws was um, 75. Yeah. And then you had, you know, E.T. was 82. But uh, yeah, it was a time when there were some really good movies coming out. So to be able to, to be able to have a low budget film, right, with a script that was written in how many days? 30 days. Uh, and, uh, you know, and to be able to take on these juggernauts of, of the industry yep. just shows you 
how significant a film this was and how significant a project it was and how how much he bet on bet on himself he gambled on himself and he won big time yeah he only spent the budget it says here nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars that's all he had yeah yeah that is and he literally profited so much and he bought back his dog yes he sold his dog for forty dollars and he bought back his dog for fifteen thousand dollars the guy that the new owner said knew he was desperate and he said look if you want it back it's fifteen thousand dollars i like the dog as well and he gave him fifteen thousand dollars to get his dog back wow yeah so that's my x-factor movie not for the movie because yeah while rocky is a good movie yo adrian um, Rocky two is basically Rocky one with a twist. Yes. Rocky three is basically Rocky one with a twist. Rocky 49 is basically Rocky one with like, so it's, it's just proof of concept that you can take, you know, essentially the same plot line storyline and just tweak it a bit and have it have different, you know, iterations. And it, it's kind of eternal. Yeah. The yeah. new life that he has given that thing and that same concept over and over and over again, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, no. And then he, then he, he did it again with the whole Rambo series, right? Yeah. So it's, it was the First same, blood. you know, it was the same kind of story, right? It was a guy down on his luck and, uh, you know, it's a great, you know, he overcome challenges to, you know, to, to be successful in the end. So it's a, it's a hero's journey. You know, it's, very similar storyline. What's really wild to me, I just looked up the the box office, the worldwide box office, like uh, like how much each Rocky movie has made. And what's wild what's to the me, top performer? the top performer was Rocky, let's see, three, four. Rocky three? It, was, four. it was Rocky four. But get this, Rocky four made $300 million. Is that the one with the Russian? If he dies, he dies. I believe so. Okay. But... Rocky one had $225 million with a million dollar budget while Rocky four had a $300 million, like made $300 million. And it doesn't say what the budget was, but I mean, as From crazy that revenue standpoint, Rocky one probably outperformed it. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. How about, how about, I think it's a great, a great example of betting on yourself and, you know, and, and, you know, not taking what the industry gives you, but doing it on your own. And, you know, coach, you and I are, are, are authors. We've written books. Um, and I know your, la your last book was I'm betting on myself. I'm not going through a publisher. I'm not going yep. through the meat grinder and, and giving everybody a percentage. I'm going to do it on my own in my own way. And um, I'm not going to do it conventionally. And, uh, you know, when, when you're having the success that you're having, and uh, just an example of betting on yourself and doing it your own way. And sometimes that's the best way to go. I am not, I am not what you would call conventional in any way. And I take pride in that. Um, you're betting on yourself right now with your company and what you're doing. I don't know yeah, if you want to talk about that, but I think this would be a good time if you did. And if you don't, I'm going to shake you down and squeeze it out of you anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, Peak Demand, the company that I help, uh, co-founded. Um, yeah, we just recently uh, bought it away from the original investors. And so we are betting on ourselves. We're putting a lot of our own personal money into it to uh, take it to the next level. And um, we're excited about that. So, you know, I, I uh, 
you know, I, I'm confident that we're going to be continue, you know, we're going to continue to be a success. So I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and put a write a very large check. And uh, that's, uh, it's a little bit nervous to do that. But um, I'm, I'm excited to see where we're going to head. And now I'm in, you know, 100% control of the situation, which I was only partially in control of the situation before when I had investors that uh, diluted my authority. So now my authority is not diluted. So gotta have a skin in the game, baby. Yeah, I got it all now. I, I got none left. <laughs> but that's awesome. I love I love Rocky. It's one of my favorite films. Um, I just think it's it's a timeless it's a timeless movie. You can watch it right now, and I think it holds up as far as a, a unique storyline that uh, you know that you pull for the hero. And you know, it's this hero's journey, and I think that's 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 the story that makes a great story. And uh, is is that you have a hero. And they go through all this trial and tribulation, and the whole time as an audience, you're cheering for that for that uh, hero to overcome their challenges. And then when they do, it's you know it ends in this, you know, in, in this case in Rocky, it's a fight, and at the end he pulls out and he wins, and he's battered and bruised, but he still comes out victorious. And we love that as a people. We love stories like that, and especially the American people. Yeah, especially Americans. And I would say this in your own personal life, if you have a story like that you're much more interesting. If you've gone through some, some rough times and you've got some bruises and you're battered and you're beat up and you've been, you've been fired and shot down and, and, and shut up and, and you still overcome those challenges, you become a much more interesting person than someone that's had success their whole life. So, you know, if you're going through a rough patch right now, you know, just got to be like Rocky. You got to just keep getting up, just keep getting up. And yeah, uh, get to, to, uh, to quote, let me quote the great, uh, the great quarterback, Shane Falco. Yes. Pain's temporary. Chicks dig scars. Yes. Glory lasts forever. Forever. Absolutely. And Parker has no clue what movie I just quoted or who Shane Falco is. Wait, isn't we'll that, leave uh, it at that. Isn't that the Philadelphia Eagles guy? Oh, wasn't there a movie or like Mark Wahlberg played like he was in the Philadelphia Eagles or whatever? No. Um, no. But the speed in which you answered was concerning. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) It's always an excellent adventure with you, Parker. It is. It is. It's like, yeah. It's like taking an Amish person and showing them the internet for the first time. It's always fun. Yep. (laughs) So I just gave you two hints as the actor right there. The speed in which you answered. Yes. And the fact that this is always an excellent adventure. You, you probably never saw either of those movies either. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. Uh, get on the bus. Is that a quote up, too? John. John, I give up. It is. A, that is. A, that is one. Yes, yeah. that is. a. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the, the most famous movies is in now, but, I'm, I, you know, I don't know. My brain, I, I'm stuck in a matrix. It's, yeah. Are you... Uh, you need to take the red pill. I, I think, think you're it's on the, blue I need the red pill. pill right now. The blue yeah. pill's slowing me down. And I was, what's the, Oh, the replacements. You're stuck in the matrix. Stuck in the matrix. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. Oh, he's one of my favorite actors too. Gosh. Dang it. Awesome. Yeah. Bill and Ted. Yeah. yeah. So John. Yeah. Um, while Parker may have grown up in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, I know that you have an X Factor movie you want to share with us. I do, and I don't know how we both ended up in the 70s, but 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the seventies on this one as well. And I have to go back to, uh, the original star Wars movie, the first star Wars movie. Um, and I think they call it the, a new hope now, but back then it was just called uh, star Wars yeah. and, um, it was no I'm hope. Star Wars purist. I, I have not seen any of these prequels. Yeah. You know, like I would love to see cancel culture, just cancel Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Uh, I'm a star Wars purist. Yeah, the I can't original, wait to hear what you got. Yeah, the original three films are, are really where it's at, I think. And, and you know, from the same way, I, I really like those. Um, I did like Rogue One, which was the one of the later ones they did. That was actually a really good story, told really well, great acting. And it, there was no funny looking creature that was dancing around like Jar Jar Binks. But uh, so I want to talk a little bit about George Lucas and an idea. So he had his, George Lucas had his first film in 1971. It was called THX. 1138 and it didn't do very well it was like a future dystopia kind of film and it wasn't very popular but it it, it in his mind it was always something he wanted to explore further this idea of uh you know life in the future life in space but um uh but he, anyways it didn't go very far but in 1973 he made a low budget film about the hot rod culture in california called american graffiti and that thing yep. was a very low budget film, took less than a million dollars to produce and it became a blockbuster. He ended up earning, uh, it earned $50 million and he got five Oscar no uh, nominations and including best director. So he went from making one really crappy sci-fi movie to making this movie, which is basically loosely based on his life growing up in California in the hot yep. rod scene, that ended up becoming kind of a, a classic a classic film and he, and he got a lot of accolades for it. So. So then he went back to this idea, like, well, I really want to do the sci-fi movie. And he, wanted, he tried to find a way to, to get this, to make it a reality. So he started writing um, a script for this movie he called Star Wars. And in the beginning, he just had a 12-page concept. Uh, and in 1974, he started shopping around to different Hollywood studios. And every one of them said no uh, until he got to... Um, what was the budget for it, does it say? Or do you know? Uh, so he originally wanted $18 million for the film. But, so I think uh, about the special effects, like, yeah, yeah. I think that is kind of the original special effects movie in my mind. Absolutely. Cause you know, at that, kid. before that time, you know, again, being, have grown, having grown up during that time, that it really was bad. Special effects were terrible at that time and, and CGI had, wasn't existing yet. So everything was done with, with models and claymation and it just kind of was cheesy. Right. And um, this was the first movie to ever really do something different with that. And um, it was kind of neat. It took him forever to write this script, though. He started, he started in uh, 71, and he finally got uh, uh, 20th Century Fox agreed to uh, give him some money to flesh out the script. And it took him uh, two more years to finish the script for this thing. So it took in the fourth draft they finally had a script that everybody liked and then fox gave them 7.5 million to make the film yeah they wanted 18 million to do and um and again what you said was really true is that he was trying to create this really compelling story but done in space and done with special effects and it was it was a kind of a throwback to he grew up watching like the um Flash Gordon type uh, uh, movies and things like that. So it was kind of, he was trying to capture some of that sci-fi magic of, you know, the the thirties and forties and fifties and, and uh, but doing it in a way that was much more realistic. And yeah, so it, he, it, 
like the way I would compare that is because the other quote special effects movie at that time was like Close Encounters. Right, right. Star Wars, you know, made Close Encounters look like Radio Shack, where oh, yeah. Star Wars was like yep. Apple, as yep. we know Apple today. That yeah. was, I think, just the it was, how much of a quantum leap in special effects took place, you know, yep. in a relatively short time between those two films. Yeah, it was it was remarkable how much that they did on this film. They they reinvented the way movies were made during this whole process. And think about um, how high the bar was set for for everyone else after that. Oh, it was it like was like they must have been like, damn you, George Lucas. Yeah. So I remember, you know, I was uh, this movie came out in 1977, and I was uh, 10 years old. I actually saw it in the theater, um, and uh, I can tell you that everybody in the theater was a packed theater. And we all yep. were just like blown away by what we were seeing. We never had ever seen anything like that in our lifetime. We've never seen spaceships flying around. We've never seen laser swords. We never saw any of this stuff. And Do you remember seeing a trailer for it on TV? Yeah, like oh yeah, absolutely. Drew you to the theater. Yeah, yeah. It was, I don't uh, remember seeing a trailer at all. Yeah. I had no idea going into that movie what I was going to see. I had a and buddy. I really my, thought that was part yeah. of the like the mind blowing experience of it all is like, I had no idea what to expect. I had a buddy that knew all about it. He had, he had heard about it and he'd been following it. So he was like, uh, for some reason he was into it. And so he was the one that said, you, yeah. you know, this is going to be unbelievable. We have to go. And, and uh, so it came out with uh, May 25th, 1977. And it was only released to a limited number of theater because they didn't feel theaters because they didn't feel like it was going to be so, you know, a, a very popular film. But then, of course, eventually it, it, they released it to a broader audience and um, it grows 775 million uh, and it surpassed Jaws. 1975 was Jaws wow. and it became the highest grossing film of all time until E.T. came out. We talked about E.T. in, in a past episode, by the way. So um, but um, received 10 Oscar nomination, not nominations and they won seven. So people don't realize that Star Wars, you know, because usually the I don't know. This, this, I'm just showing my age right now, but usually crappy movies seem to get the Oscars these days. But back yeah. then, great movies like Star Wars actually won Oscars. They won seven Oscars for that film. And um, it, it ushered in a new way of making movies with special effects and the concepts there. And um, so what, what I want to, the, the lesson from there is just never quitting on an idea, right? You got an idea, he had an idea in 1971 to make this film. It came out in 1977, six years later. And you can imagine the, you know, the, uh, the road bumps and the, and the, and the, you know, side roads he went on and the, and the failures he had, yeah. but he kept focusing on this one idea. He was, when he wrote, um, when he wrote, uh, and he directed American graffiti, he was, he was living in a one bedroom home in, in, uh, in California and he was basically poor. He was up and, and, but he kept, he kept this idea kept in his head and he stayed with it and he never quit on the idea. And eventually he, uh, got it to the theaters and um, changed the way movies are done and created an X-Factor movie. And uh, by the way, George Lucas is worth right now $7.2 billion. That's it? I know, that's it. Jump change, man. I would take that, though. Yeah, I would, I would take that. I would too. take that preferably uh, as a non-fungible <laughs> token or in Bitcoin. I'd take it as a non-fungible token. I love it, Yes. No, that is uh, is impressive, and you think about like a how high he set the bar moving forward, but also um, just think about like how much changed in in the, those six years from 
you know, idea to concept to reality. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was watching, wow. uh, I was watching the making of Mandalorian. The Mandalorian was like a Disney show that they had um, very well done. I thought very uh, kind of stuck to the old ways of star Wars, but um, uh, they were just saying how the technology has come so far that it's easy to make this uh, compared yeah. to what they were trying to do in 1970s. So it's super easy. They actually project the whole background of this planet they're on, actually projected on these dome um, uh, screens that the actors are actually, they're actually in the scene, right? It's not yeah. on a green screen. It's actually real scenes that they're, so they're seeing the mountains often. So they can actually look at the mountain and say, hey, look at over there, you know? Whereas all that early stuff was done on green screens and, you know, with, it's just really amazing. What I would love to know is if Star Wars, the original Star Wars, exactly as it was made in the 70s, were made today. Yeah. What the budget would need to be to do it exactly the way they did it then. Yeah. Yeah. Probably no. dirt cheap by comparison to everything else today. Oh, absolutely. The way they the way they did it. But but I think, you know, I was fascinated after the movie came out. I was just, you know, I had a friend that was really into it and he he bought all these books about the making of and, you know, and just seeing the, you know, and I remember just as a young boy, look at these little models that they built and, and how they, you know, they flew a camera down what was supposed to be the Death Star, but it was actually, you know, it was actually, you know, whatever, one-tenth scale, you know, yeah. and therefore they flew the camera through and kind of cool stuff the way they filmed that movie. And uh, I think it was Game Changer. It's a Game Changer movie. It's definitely X Factor. Um, I think both movies, uh, Rocky and Star Wars are, are two ultimate classics. Here we are in 2021 talking about them. So, and uh, how many things from 1977 and 76 are we still talking about today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good Thank question. You. Yeah. Do you know this what that was? Brought Parker? to you by Chewbacca. 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 <laughs> So that's my yeah, X that was, Factor yeah. movie, Star Wars. Impressive. Yeah. So uh, stories of resilience. And uh, you know, I think we all need to be a little more resilient. And one of the ways you can be more resilient is um, by getting up out of your chair every yes. so often uh, in the workplace and standing. Just sitting is killing you, folks. Literally, every hour you spend sitting, you decrease your lifespan by two hours. They say sitting's new smoking. This is research from the Mayo Clinic. This is not Coach Brew making up statistics. This is act actual follow the science stuff. And the reason I share that with you is my company, my apparel brand, chinupchestout.com, is uh, holding a contest. We just launched our spring apparel collection recently. And yes. from now until April 30th, you can be entered to win a Ergotron WorkFit P standing workstation. Sit, stand, desk, if you will. You go to chinupchestout.com, check it out. Uh, every dollar you spend there, or every dollar you spend on one of my books is one entry into this drawing. So you, got, you get uh, $60 worth of apparel. And uh, buy two copies of a book. That's a hundred bucks. It's a hundred tickets. You might win a standing desk. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's outstanding. 
Do you have a standing desk, John? I do. I have, um, yeah, I have one, but it's not in my office anymore. It's uh, milk crates on a two by four. No, no. I had a real one that you put on your desk. Not as nice as the one you're giving away, but uh, one that you, you know, I can't remember the brand, but. Um, Why is it not in your office anymore, JR? Did I steal uh, it. No, I just, I got, I can't concentrate standing as well. So that was just me. I think it's because I'm old. He's a traditionalist. <laughs> I did try it. I, I had it for about a year and I found it was down more than it was up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a great idea. I really like the concept and uh, like the, I gave it to one of my employees who, who used it for a year after that and he stood the entire time. So it, it's, Sweet. I think it's a matter of personality. I think I'd like to sit. So that's what a humanitarian you are. You took one for the team. You sacrificed your own lifespan. Correct. You uh, lengthened someone else's lifespan. Correct. That's what I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I figured I'd drink enough bourbon so to preserve my, my so honorable. Yeah. It's appalling. Make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> anyway, that's what we have for you. Uh, P1 listeners. Yes. What is a P1 listener, Coach Brew? A P1 listener is someone who has us as Reset number one, podcast number one in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit. Wow. And you share that information with everyone you know. Yep. Uh, you sing it from the mountaintops. You shout it, yep. you yodel it, whatever you prefer, yep. um, telling everyone how much you enjoy and how informative you find our little pod. And yeah. you could share on social media, you could send in crazy videos highlighting your experience where you enjoy sipping your bottom gun coffee or your bottom gun coffee uh, mixed with bourbon, or maybe just your X Factor podcast coffee mug filled with bourbon, James Elliott talking to you. And uh, you could also leave us a message on the X Factor podcast.com. And maybe you'll be featured in an episode of the show. Uh, maybe you have a question. Maybe, just maybe, you would like to suggest a show topic that yeah. isn't movies, food, snacks, uh, music, technology. What are some Beverages. of our other episodes, John? Beverages. Uh, what else? Brands. Brands. Bands. Yeah. Suggest a topic. We've had like Email 20. in. You can leave us a message. Uh, we are open uh, to suggestion, open to feedback. And uh, would love to hear from you. So expectorpodcast.com. But it better be good. Don't waste our time. That too. Yeah. Um, but you're really not wasting our time because that's why we have an intern. We make him read all that crap and uh, we only look at the good stuff. So he's essentially <laughs> the human spam filter. He is. If you want to go ahead and burden him, bog him down with all sorts of crap, that's on you. That's a you and Parker thing. Um, but he does prefer it if you send him actual snail mail yes. um, to his uh, family's little village yes. in uh, Amish country. Outside of intercourse. A covered wagon delivers the mail by horseback to his, it's a log home, I believe, where he reads everything in the evenings by candlelight. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, 
that's what we got for you this week. Next week is going to be a surprise. We're not telling you what the episode is, um, but we will tease you. We don't know. <laughs> we will, we're not telling you because we have no freaking clue what it's going to be, but we will tease you and let you know it's mind blowing. It is. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be X or, factors or mind that, numbing one or the other. Something with the X factor. I guarantee it. Guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, we actually shake a magic eight ball to make all these programming decisions. That's how we operate. Um, very analog, not digital at all, you know, uh, keeping with the theme. So, yeah, share it up. Tell everyone else about it. Leave some messages. You can win some fabulous prizes like a coffee mug, copies of our books, or some bottom gun coffee. And don't forget to go to my apparel brand, chinupchestout.com, and enter to win standing desk. There's some awesome t-shirts, hats, um, sports bras. If you're a dude and you need a sports bra, we won't judge you. We do it nope. large sizes. Uh, nope. We got sweatpants, all sorts of stuff. Uh, you'll nope. love it. And uh, we donate a percentage of all of our sales to mental health organizations. And there you have it. There it is, folks. This has been the X Factor Podcast. Yes. Signing off on behalf of my fabulous co-host, JR, Mr. John Rennie. And uh, Jebediah's boy down there on the bottom square. Parker. And I'm Coach Brew. We'll see you later. Take care.